Thank you for listening to the Silver Club Podcast. Here's your host, two-time Walker Cupper and former world amateur number one Steve Scott, and men's golf coach at Yale University and golf historian Colin Sheehan. Welcome back to episode number 62 of the Silver Club Podcast. We've got Fast Eddie Hernandez quickly coming on our podcast, but just want to take care of a few housekeeping items before we get to Fast Eddie. We're giving Colin the week off. He is in the throes of the fall season with the Yale Bulldogs. They are out slumming it out in the Hamptons right now at the beautiful Maidstone Club all the way out there in the far east portion of the Hamptons. Such a spectacular spectacular area of the world to play golf. So Colin, we're feeling for you out there. Right now his Bulldogs are in second place. Hopefully they can hang on to that. They're a little bit behind the leading team right now, but still poised for a very strong finish out there at Maidstone. Before I go any further, just want to send our best thoughts and prayers to all of the people that have been impacted by that horrible hurricane, Ian, down in Florida. That west coast of Florida definitely got banged up pretty good, and we certainly have our thoughts and prayers with all of you who were affected by the storm and the flooding, and please make sure you know that you're in our thoughts here at the podcast. Well, since we last got with you with our 61st episode with Lisa Cornwell, we've been to Sand Valley. We were at a great Donald Ross called Mountain Ridge just outside New York City on the New Jersey side. We played Mountain Ridge. We played Bayonne in our trip there. Oh, Bayonne's a pretty amazing piece of property overlooking the New York skyline. Tremendous elevation. So many wonderful courses in the highly populated and highly golf-centric New Jersey and New York metropolitan area. So we had a really fun time there. We actually played the Yale Golf Club as well. We had some groups out there at Yale. But the event and the trip, I really want to go into a little bit of detail with you right at this moment, was the trip we called our Journey Home. It was a trip that I took with 10 of our members over to Scotland. We had an unbelievable time. I'm just going to go through all these courses because If you've ever been over there, you know how great the golf is, and we had six straight days of spectacular weather. The rain suit came out for about 20 minutes one morning, and that was it. Played in short sleeves a lot of the time, just uh, an outrageous trip. I personally hadn't been over to Scotland in over 20 years since the 1999 Walker Cup, and I forgot how truly religious of an experience it was to play all of these golf courses. seems like railways right next to all of these golf courses, and and everything's built on the sandy soil, which makes the ball run. Uh, We started our trip. We flew over there. We stayed at the first few nights at the Dundonald Links on the west side. Our first round was over at Prestwick, and just a total visit back in time. Kind of a quirky golf course. The first tee shot is like you hit it about 180 yards off the tee, and then it's kind of like a five iron, seven iron hole. It's a little, it's got a little quirk to it. Had a railway running up the right side of the first hole. That was kind of cool. Just a really special day. Blind par three on the fourth hole. Definitely recall that one. It kind of worked its way out and it came all the way back towards the clubhouse. And during our trip there to Prestwick, we were shown the original 12 holes that existed back when the club was founded in 1851 here in a couple of weeks. Incidentally, they're going to have a week-long event that people are going to play with hickories. It's going to celebrate the 150th 
anniversary of the Open Championship, because that's where the very first Open Championship was played. In fact, the first 12 Open Championships were contested at Prestwick. Old Tom Morris was the original golf professional there. Prestwick actually stole him over from the old course in St. Andrews. So much history there at Prestwick. It was a great way to start the trip. Then the next day on the Monday was was rather interesting because it was September 19th, and it was the day of the late Queen Elizabeth II's funeral. And so all the flags were at half-staff. A lot of golf courses were actually closed. We had to make a, some alternate plans, and we played the Robert the Bruce course at Turnberry, which was a spectacular renovation there. They added some holes right on the cliffs and really a nicely done. We had a, a beautiful day there. It was pretty warm, as a matter of fact. Played in short sleeves that day. So it was really good that we got kind of a, a first taste of Turnberry. We would come back to play the Ailsa course at the end of the week. Then we worked our way over a couple hours to the east, and we had a unbelievable 36-hole day at Muirfield. This was really, for me personally, this was the highlight of the trip. Not only do you play four ball in the morning, you sit and, and you change for lunch. You have this really cool lunch, and everybody dresses in coat and tie. And we had the chance to dine next to the original silver club with all the golf balls attached to it. In fact, there are four silver clubs. There's so many golf balls attached to all these clubs. They, they didn't have just one club. They had four. And this goes all the way back to 1744 and the very first competition over there by the gentlemen golfers of Leith, now called the Honorable Company of Edinburgh Golfers who play at Muirfield. And we got to not only dine next to the silver clubs, the original 13 rules of golf as penned by the first captain, John Rattray. That was enclosed in a case just one other side of the room where we were dining. So much memorabilia, so much history. Unfortunately, we couldn't take any pictures inside of the clubhouse, but we took a lot of mental photographs as we toured around the whole property. So after the formal lunch, we changed back into our golf clothes and played foursomes in the afternoon, otherwise known as alternate shot. Great way to kind of do a 36-hole day. Doesn't make you quite as tired as playing all 36 yourself. And that second 18, you get a different look at the golf course because your partner will hit off the odd number holes, for example, and you'll play off the even number holes. And when it's not your turn to tee off, you kind of cut ahead to the fairway. It saves a lot of time, but you also get a different look at the golf course than you did in the morning 18. I'm really surprised that a lot of clubs over here in the United States haven't adopted, even for a one day a month or one day a year, adopted what Muirfield does as far as the, the foursomes and four ball and the formal lunch. And it was really, I mean, for me, who have been fortunate enough to experience so much in this game, that day in particular will definitely stand out among some of the great days I've ever had. We had fantastic weather, especially in the afternoon. The sun came out. If you look on our Instagram page under the Journey Home story, you'll be able to see all the pictures that we took from not only Muirfield, but the entire trip. But Muirfield was just a, an outrageously special, special day. We then played the Renaissance Club otherwise known. It looks like Renaissance, but the locals call it the Renaissance Club. And we played that. That was the home of the Scottish Open on the PGA Tour this last year. It was a fantastic Tom Doak, really modern course, but it just didn't feel that way. You, you really had an awesome view into what kind of modern 
Scottish golf can look like. Beautiful piece of property there, and Doak did an amazing job. A few holes on the cliffs, on the water. Then we went back in time. We played nine holes that afternoon. We went over to the Muscleboro course, the oldest course in the world. It was nine holes only, and it works its way in and around and outside and then back inside a still usable a horse racing track. And it was just very unkempt. Uh, we actually hooked up with a caddy from another venue who ended up getting us hickory clubs. And we were able to go and everybody played with hickories that afternoon at Muscleboro, that nine holes. I don't think anybody made a birdie. It was uh, playing with hickories. If you've never done it, you have to do it once. It's, it, it really is an exacting science. And you have to hit the ball very solidly or else the ball will curve or you will chunk it. Uh, the the niblick is kind of like a nine iron or a wedge. And it it's a very sharp blade on it, and you can cut through all the grass pretty easily, but you can also hit some little chunks. So uh, kind of a, a cool way to play, though, when we went to Muscleboro. Then with only two days to go, we played Western Gales on a Thursday morning, and that was the day. We had a little bit of rain there, only for a hole or two. It worked its way into a lot better weather than we played over at Troon in that afternoon. So we had another 36-hole day. The Troon afternoon was unbelievable. I hadn't been to Troon in over 20 years, I, I couldn't remember how good this golf course was. The first six holes, very scorable. Then you get into seven through 12, kind of working through a lot of the gorse areas. You have the postage stamp. We had uh, one of our guys almost make a hole in one on the postage stamp. It was really cool. But uh, the 11th hole there works its way alongside a railway. Very difficult par four. Uh, just a, an unbelievable day of golf. Sun-soaked day. Again, check out our Instagram page on that one. So many great pictures. And then we ended our trip, the Ailsa course, at Turnberry. They've done some really good work there. They've added some holes, pushed some holes closer to the cliffs. The ninth hole, the tenth hole, they turned from a par four into a par five. The eleventh hole was a great par three right on the edge uh, of the cliffs. So some uh, unbelievable views. The halfway house was the lighthouse out there, the famed lighthouse at Turnberry. So, uh, so much great golf. It was a perfect way to really end the trip and just a spectacular, really full week of golf that we played over there in Scotland. So, uh, we're working on another trip next year as well uh, to coincide with the Walker Cup. So uh, all of our members, stay tuned for that one. And if you're not a member, you can find out about it. So check us out at Silver Club Golf on Instagram and Twitter and silverclubgs.com on the web. Fill out a little web form. I will personally get back to you and you can check out everything the Silver Club has to offer. If you hop in right now, even better, the dues that you pay now will last you all the way to the end of 2023. So no need to wait around. Love to speak with you whenever you have the chance. Before we get to our podcast, our sponsors of the Silver Club have really helped us throughout the year and we cannot thank them enough. The Turtleson Company, fantastic apparel by Turtleson, Andy Plate and his team, just do an amazing job. Putview Books. They've made some really cool custom books for some of our major events and it really helped us understand all these new golf courses that we play throughout the country at the Silver Club. So thank you, Putview Books. Torch Eyewear. Lewis Wellen and his team at Torch really protecting your eyes and keeping you really stylish, whether on the golf course or on the boat or wherever you need sunglasses. Check out Torch today. And finally, Two Under, the makers of the Joey Pouch. The Two Under brand is definitely something you're going to want to put on your body right away. 
Okay, without further ado, let's get to Fast Eddie Hernandez. Let's hear all about his world championship bid just a couple days ago. All right, our next guest on the Silver Club podcast is the fastest man in golf. Well, at least in senior golf, Eddie Fernandez, better known as Fast Eddie. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Steve. How you doing, buddy? Great. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm doing pretty good, but I'm probably not doing quite as good as you. 411 yards the other day. Was that the number? Yeah, 411. Just a nice little 211 <laughs> mile an hour ball speed pellet right down the pipe so it was uh, it was good <laughs> the, the world of long drive I, I am so i i can't wait to i've got so many questions to ask you this is um this is really a treat to have you on we we were fortunate enough to have the chance to uh play with each other uh, and kind of against each other in a in a pro-am a couple of years ago at old memorial over in tampa yeah. you are very interesting because you blend a guy who can really play and shoot a number with a guy who can hit bombs. How do you blend those things? And and I really want to know how you, I mean, how do you kind of gear up for each sort of thing? Because the, the disciplines are so different, hitting it long and then also trying to trying to score. How do you blend all those? So, you know, I've always been an athlete ever since I was a kid. So, you know, played for a living, went to Q school five times, came pretty close, you know, to making uh, the big show. And, after I missed uh, the cut at second stage of Q school in 04, I, uh, I took 10 years off and got into long drive and, and didn't, had no idea what my numbers were. All I knew was I always hit it way farther than everyone. Uh, I could hit wedges. I could make putts, you know, won a bunch of mini tour events. So I was kind of, you know, people would be like, uh, you know, how's your wedge game? You hit it so far. I'm like, actually, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I mean, I've, you know, I finished third at the, at the pro member at, uh, my old memorial when I play with you. So people are like baffled when, <laughs> when, uh, when I play golf, first time I play with GMAC, you know, I think I was three or four under and he's like, I, I would have never guessed that, you know, you hit it 380 and you go out and you shoot four under. It's crazy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, have always had really good feel, good hands. Right. And, and I could just, I, I could flight golf balls, you know, I don't hit it sky high. And, uh, I just, I was always able to, to play pretty good golf. Um, and then on top of it, you know, get 50 yards longer after the age of 43. So, uh, but blending them nicely. Yeah. I mean, give us a sense of your training regimen and, and how you gear up for these long drive events and, and how long it takes you and, and all of that stuff. Put, put our listeners in your world for a moment. All right. So back in 2014, uh, I started, I got into long drive. I, I didn't know a ton about training for golf. There really wasn't a lot out there. Uh, fortunately, I got to meet uh, a great friend of mine today, one of my best friends, Jeff Flagg. He, he won the 2014 World Long Drive Championship. And he kind of took me under his wing a little bit and uh, kind of showed me how to, how to train. And uh, he uses equipment called Pure Motion. And he puts uh, their attachments that kind of go on a landmine. There's all kinds of different things I could do with them, training on your feet and making sure all of uh, your joints and everything's in alignment. So I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. So he put me through some workouts and he's been training me since, you know, 2015, basically. And I started out with smart golf and fitness. Tommy Asuma started with him and Jeff went there. And then, uh, you know, when I, once I moved to Florida, Jeff and I have been pretty tight and, and just using this, these movements uh, really training in all different directions, Steve. So when I train uh, for golf, I'm basically training like an athlete. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing all kinds of rotational stuff, forwards, backwards, left to right. 
uh, non-dominant, dominant side diet, we're moving in all different directions. So the balance of my body is so close uh, between my dominant and non-dominant side. And people freak out when they see me swing it lefty, like 140 miles an hour. <laughs> what is going on? Oh, but, man. Uh, so, and that's where the whole longevity piece comes out of it. Um, you know, it, the balance of the body is number one. And I learned a long time ago, you only have one body. So check your ego in at the door. It's not about how much you can, you know, you can lift or push around or whatever. You know, if you just one mistake in the gym or one, you know, egotistical uh, decision you make could really be the end. So I have been very mindful when I'm in the gym to really listen and, uh, and do what I need to do to be better at my sport. I think of a lot of guys, there's guys who, who move the club with kind of brute muscle and brute strength. Um, and mm. then, you know, you're, you're obviously strong, but you have the, you have the beautiful, long, languid motion of a, of a tour player, too. And so uh, those blending of that is uh, it's really intriguing for me. Yeah, it's uh, I, I've always been able to swing. If you saw pictures of me, it was funny. I, I was going through some pictures from uh, I qualified for the 1987 uh, U.S. Junior. That was my first uh, my first national event. Yeah, and I literally, if I turned sideways, you could miss me. I was like 112 pounds. It was <laughs> it was so funny, and my arc my arc was so high, right? And uh, my I was so skinny, and it, it was so cool. What a what a great experience that was. But uh, I kind of I've always had long levers and. You know, my nickname, Fast Eddie, when you mentioned it before, I got, I got that from Little League. So I yeah. used to throw, you know, in the, the low to mid-70s, I, I could fling it. You know, <laughs> I've always been fast, fast twitch muscle fibers. and but, uh, but, yeah, but I just really focus on rhythm and flow with my golf swing. I'm not really thinking about mashing it. Like, you look at Bryson or, mm -hmm. like, Martin Borgmeier, who just won, and, and yeah. uh, you know, Kyle is just, they're, uh, I mean, they're so fast. But, um, but yeah, I just try to think of, of timing rhythm and other, uh, a few things that I've, that I've learned over the years that, uh, that have helped me look effortless. Yeah. I'm just going to throw out a couple numbers to our listeners right now. Fastest club head speed to date, 155.8 fastest ball speed, 225. That is, that's just, it's silly. And, and, and so I watched the, the YouTube uh, stream of your finals from the other day. And what, what amazes me with all the speed that you have, I mean, your, your speeds were, were 210 to 214, I think was kind of the, where you were at in the finals there. Mm -hmm. You didn't reach, you know, your, your super maximum, uh, s speeds, but, uh, but you kind of didn't need to in a way the, the your opponent, uh, Jeff Gavin, he wasn't getting it quite at even 200 ball speed. So you definitely had an advantage on that. But but what I was what I was amazed by, and this goes back to your 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 languid, smooth technique. You had four or five balls in the grid and you didn't even need to hit all six balls, but you had four or five in the grid. I, are, are you frustrated maybe even sometimes that that the number of balls in the grid really doesn't matter because you only need one? Not really. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I know that's the game. I know that's the game. But yeah, you know. uh, Of course. But this year, you know, we, we, we were using a top flight bomb the whole year um, on the PLDA tour. Mm -hmm. uh, the, I think I, I competed in four other events rather than Worlds. And uh, in this one, we changed. Um, Bridgestone made a ball for us, and I, I never hit it until Friday. First time I hit it in competition was Friday. So it felt more like a player ball. It is definitely softer. 
And I noticed I put up 217, 219 the first day, and the ball just wasn't going as far. Hmm. I noticed by I was broadcasting a little bit, and I noticed the guys that were 202 to 210, that was kind of money for that ball. So I kind of learned by A, hitting it, and then B, just watching other guys, how the ball was reacting. And it seemed like the best balls were somewhere in the like 205 range. And Bryson hmm. was 208 to 212. And that's yep. kind of where I wanted to sit in the finals. I knew if I, I was basically playing golf with my long driver. Basically, I mean, I wasn't mm-hmm. really expending too much energy. I was locked in. I knew what I had to do. If I just put good swings and hit it solid, you know, it gave me the best chance to win. And, you know, fortunately it's, uh, it happened. Yeah, it did. And, and, and there was a few wins that you had leading into that event too. So you've won three, uh, three events to really close out this season, you know, talk about how important those victories were to lead you and give you that confidence uh, just a few days ago out in Mesquite. Yeah. So, you know, it was my first event was May. Uh, I hadn't competed in three years, obviously COVID and, and everything else. And I finished second uh, in 2019 at the finals. And I, I didn't I was I was kind of focused on when I turned 50, go to Q school, which I did made the finals last year of Champions Q school. And then. You know, this year I was like, yeah, you know what? I because I, I have so many people that reach out to me, uh, you know, saying how inspirational it is. Uh, you know, fifty-one years old or fifty years old, swinging at one hundred fifty miles an hour with a good golf swing, and just it's, you know, what are you doing? What? How are you doing this? I get thousands of those, Steve. It's it's like <laughs> mind blowing, and you know, I just focus, and it goes back to my training, right, with Jeff, and it's been so overwhelming that Jeff and I are actually getting ready to put together a training series and a speed series, because there's just thousands of people that want it. Like I have, you know, guys that are, they are top level teachers around the world that are, they're saying, Hey, I want to know what you're doing, you know? So, and that's kind of where it started and just what we're doing in the gym and the, and the movements that we're doing. And then you add Rotex to it. Dr. Joe LaCaza was out with me last week and, Mm -hmm. you know, between all of the, mobility exercises, my shoulders, my obliques, my, my um, pelvis, all, it's just amazing how good I feel physically. And people think it's impossible, but the way I look at it, like Kobe Bryant said, is if, if impossible uh, is basically just a, uh, just an opinion, right? <laughs> if somebody says something's impossible, you know, that that's your opinion, but yeah. I'm going to take it to the next level and I'm going to show you that it's not impossible and I'm going to prove it to you. So um, you know, I get that all the time. So I kind of just laugh at it. How long did it take you to get, you said you had this, this time off for, you know, various reasons, but how long did it take you to, you know, I, I guess basically how much training do you do in the gym? And then how much training do you do, you know, on the practice tee to kind of balance all that out? And, and how does that, how does that vary the closer you get to competition? So being, you know, a, a long drive, a long driver and a golfer, you know, focusing the last eight to 10 weeks on just long drive, it, I was basically doing two speed sessions a week out at Golden Bear Club. And that would last probably about two hours. So I would hit about anywhere between 80 and 100 balls. No more than that, because yeah. it's just it's too much. Like some guys will go out and they'll hit two, three, four hundred balls. It's like I know exact. I know the recipe for me. What's going to make me tick? What's going to make yeah. me my best? What's going to keep me my healthiest and the freshest? Yeah, that's and the then in the, yeah. in the gym, I'm doing, you know, three to four days a week, maybe 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a total of 
eight to 10 hours a week. So it's not really that much, but I also put the time in, you know, from 2015 uh, to, you know, 2019, 2020. Now it's just almost like maintaining it. And I've never felt better physically. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about how your playing days and you're still, you know, you're still out there. You, you played really well in the PGA Tour Champions qualifying this past year, three seventies in a row, and then a sixty-nine to finish. Unfortunately, that wasn't quite good enough to, uh, you know, to get that tour card like uh, our good buddy Rob LaBritz. But oh um, man, he, he I'm so I was so happy for him, man. He was he just yeah. played absolutely awesome. Yeah, he was he's been a podcast guest in in the past. And how do you take the long drive mentality? And how do you apply it? Because our listeners, you know, they want to be able to do both. They want to be able to go out there and hit it far, but they also want to be able to find it after they hit it. I mean, how do you, where, where's kind of your, your balance point there with taking your long drive abilities and then going to be able to score? So the biggest thing for me is I, I am not, I never overswing. Um, when I get after it, it, it still doesn't look like I'm going after it. I mean, I am getting after it when I'm 155 miles an hour. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. going fast, right? That's almost Berkshire-esque or Justin James or Martin, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but you know, when I'm, when I'm playing golf, I have that in the bag. So what I try to tell people is we want to get your high end up as high as possible. So if you want to swing 118 on the golf course or 120 or 122, we need to get your high end up around 130. Mm. So, since my high end is around 146 or seven with a play driver, mm-hmm. and then I bump that down to, you know, 132, 130 to 134 or whatever on the golf course, I feel like I'm chipping a seven iron. <laughs> so it's a, and right, right. Because if I'm just making a nice smooth swing, yeah. I'm not going all out. I mean, I played with Skip Kendall uh, about three months ago out at Golden Bear Club. He's a member. We went out and played and, and I made, uh, I missed one fairway. I hit 17 greens. I shot seven under with a negative uh, shots, uh, shots gained putting because I, I drove a par four. I hit three par fives and two inside 15 feet, two putted them all, <laughs> hit a couple edges. And he's just like, that was the easiest seven under par I've ever seen. And it's just got a couple of those putts fall, but I'll, I'll take that all day. You know, if you're going to give me a, a minus point, point two strokes gain and shoot seven under, I will take that every single time. That's that that is that's unbelievable. That's that's really crazy. Uh, take us into your your long drive equipment just for a moment. The loft of your driver is what five and a half, and I can bump it down to about four, and then up to about six. So Cobra mm-hmm. hooked me up at this World Championships. Uh, you know, Bryson uh, got me ahead, and then I got ahead from Kyle to test, and and uh, Cobra saw me hit the first day, and they uh, they gave me a couple of fresh heads because. I was kind of beating on the ones that I had. So they were, they were, they were awesome. So they were, uh, uh, they were really helpful. They gave me a couple of fresh heads of which I hit on Saturday and it was, you know, it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, are they, are they all glued heads or are they adjustable at all? Adjustable. So, um, you know, there's obviously a cog, I can bump the five and a half down to, you know, one and a half degrees. And then I believe one or one and a half degrees the other way, which Mm -hmm. more at our speeds, it's you're pretty much either going to keep it standard at five and a half or maybe down one or one and a half, depending on the wind conditions. So, yeah. um, but it's usually anywhere between four and five and a half. I'm, I'm usually swinging it at. And the length of the driver. 47 and three quarters, 47 and three quarters. Yeah. 40, what, yep. 48 being the max for, is that the same? Is that the same for long drives as it is for regular? Go yeah. 48 is yep. the max and TP, you know, TPT Excellent. is one of my sponsors. Really, really good. I'm 
just incredible shaft from Switzerland. They, uh, they, I got to to test some shafts last March in Dallas with John Sinclair and, and uh, I absolutely loved it. I couldn't believe how consistently well I was hitting it. Even the miss hits, Steve, were, uh, were ridiculous. Like there's no spine in the shaft hmm. and it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous. The, like the misses are the thing, like, you know, you've played at a very high level, right? Mm-hmm. It's about it's not how good your good ones are. It's how good your your miss hits or your off shots <laughs> yep. are. And my off shots were incredible. And uh, even when I'm playing, like sometimes I'll just laugh. I'll be like, I totally hit that. So in the heel and it's like, you know, three thirty in the fairway. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, you add a little spin to it and you do that. That's cool. The, the stiffness of the shaft that you use. I mean, we can all imagine, if, you know, swinging 140, 150 miles an hour. You got to have a, a telephone pole type of shaft. Yeah, well, not really. So no. here's here's the thing. Yeah, so TPT has – they don't have any numbers. They don't have regular, stiff, X, mm-hmm. 2X. They they go by frequency or CPM. So what I did was I went to get set up. And if, if people would just understand this, if you go for a shaft fitting, you just don't even look at – don't even look at what it says on the shaft. Go by performance. I mm-hmm. went purely on performance. So – I hit a shaft that you would never think I would hit because it's it, the one that uh, frequencies out to in between a stiff and an X. It's not even really that stiff. It, I think it's CPMs out at like 248 or 252 mm-hmm. and which is not that stiff for a driver. Hmm. And, but I, I hit it the best out of anything by a mile. So it's just like, and that's kind of one thing that I try to tell people don't, you know, you don't have to hit an X you, because you swing this, you don't have to hit this number because they're all, you know, they're all, some of them are all over the place, but you know, TPT is so precise that I can grab a, a backup shaft and it'll be identical to the one I'm hitting now, if it breaks or if it gets stolen or whatever. So that's the beauty of it. And when you go into a competition, how many drivers do you have in your hand that you can kind of go to at any one time? So usually four. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'll do is I'll bring three or four up. Like I brought three or four up with me on the tee on Friday, the first day. So just kind of testing the ball. I, I, you know, I hadn't hit the ball, so I was going to hit different flights. And that's the beauty about being a golfer. I can mm-hmm. hit it lower, higher cuts, draws. Yeah. And yeah, some of these guys only know, have, kinda, only have one gear. I mean, you've got all yeah. sorts of weapons in your arsenal. Yeah. And there's a few of us that have played, uh, that have done long drive. David Mobley being another one. He's a legend. He's, you know, he's won several world championships in all different divisions. And he's, you know, he picks apart a grid. He can hit it. He can flight it. He, uh, you know, and that's the beauty. We were talking the other day and it's like, man, it's nice being a golfer because we can kind of hit a flat cut. We can hit it higher. We can hit it lower. We can mm-hmm. draw it. We, you know, it's just de- ride, the wind, what the, when, ride the yeah. wind when you need to. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. Whatever the grid is giving up, we can hit, we have that shot and which is, which is nice. Quickly, for those who, who haven't really seen uh, the long drive competition, whether it's on on YouTube or from Golf Channel in the past, just to, it quickly explain the, the competition. And what I found was really weird, though, is that both you hit at the same time. Uh, that was I thought yeah. that was that was a little different. Uh, I know when it was on Golf Channel, it was each individual played at once. But anyway, just give us a little breakdown of of what of what the competition is. Yeah. So, so basically when you start out, so there were 32 guys in the senior division and we have a round Robin. So basically a round Robin is five rounds. You hit against every single player in your group out of 16 guys. So there's five rounds, six balls each, uh, the longest ball in the group and that set gets 200 points. Second place gets a hundred third place gets 50 
fourth place gets 25. So how it works is the top after five rounds, after you've hit against everyone, they take the top eight point getters and move on to the next day, which is the final 16, eight from group one and eight from group two. So it's 32 to 16. Mm-hmm. And then we do the same thing. We did the same thing on Saturday. So do the same thing, round robin, five sets, hit against everyone. They take the top eight and then they move into the final eight. Mm-hmm. And it's six ball sets, two and a half minutes. It goes by points. And then we're seated one through eight. So, and then the first four are on the tee and then it goes four to four, four, uh, four for two. So the top two out of the first four move on to the semis. Yeah. Um, and then the second four, and then the semifinals are all four top two, then four hitting at once on the, on those, on that round. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's important, Steve, you know, people say, well, why do you hit at the same time? Well, the wind conditions, especially this weekend were insane. Like there were times where it was straight downwind and then all of a sudden it switched. It was into a little bit off the left. And, you know, if you hit at the, at the wrong time, you know, that was kind of a problem sometimes in the past. You'd have one guy on the tee that got – it was such an advantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah hitting it downwind sense, and all yeah. of a sudden – yeah. So, I think I think that's the only fair way to do it. You compete against the guys you're on the tee box with, and that is the, by far the most fair way to do it. No, I like that. I, had, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way, but, yeah, that makes I, – I, I was just thinking of how distracting it would be when you're trying to focus your, your hardest and – and uh but i guess you know it's a it's a loud competition and you get you know you get yeah. after it and uh you <laughs> yeah. just get you just get used to it now the the open division i was watching that as well the open division the finals uh we saw uh martin borgmeyer and bryson dechambeau battle themselves out now you hit it 411 what, yeah. what's your thought now i know borgmeyer ended up winning he beat bryson uh 426 to 406 but I mean, you darn near have enough to be an open winner as well. What, what was your thought about being in the division that you were in? And could you play in both, or is that just is that too much on your body? It, it is a lot. I've done it for five years. You know, I, I went pretty far. I actually won an open division event back in 2018, and and uh, my first world championship was, was in 2018. But it is a lot, man. It is. There's so much hitting. And, you know, at 51 years old, it's, it, you know, it's tiring. And I see yeah. these kids that are 21 and 24 and 25, they're exhausted. I'm like, they're like, well, why didn't you compete in both divisions? I'm like, how tired are you right now? And you're half my age, right? Yeah. So, but, uh, but I, Hey, I would love to compete with those kids. I mean, it, it's awesome seeing some of the talent and the speed uh, that they have, but it's just, it, it just takes so much out of you. And this year I just decided not to. Yeah. Um, not to do both. I am, I'm thinking about maybe doing both next year, but, uh, but we'll, <laughs> we'll kind of, we'll kind of cross that bridge when it comes, but, uh, but I, I did miss competing cause Jeff Gavin, you know, he almost made it to the top 16. Yeah. And, uh, so, but, you know, it's, but it's a blast competing with these kids and, you know, they kind of look up to us older guys and, and, uh, we get, they ask us questions and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, maybe next year I'll do both. I'll, I'll see how, you know, we'll see <laughs> well, what I, happens. I think you should. I think you should. Um, a few more questions, then I'll let you go. Thanks for your time yeah. thus far. Uh, you got it. You got uh, it. You know, we mentioned, mentioned Bryson. What sort of, what's your feel of what he has done to the long drive game and to the competition and where, I mean, where do you see the long drive competitions going to? I, mean, I think, you know what, it's, it's funny you say that because Bryson, you know, Bryson is so cool. I've known Bryson for a few years now. So, 
you know, he, he's super cool. Like he's like one of the guys, but you know, he's so polarizing. It's like you get one opinion and then you get another opinion, but hmm. he has been nothing but gracious to all the hitters. And like, even the guys he's never met before they come up to him, they'll take pictures, they'll ask him questions. And he's so gracious with everyone. He just loves the sport. And I, you know, I, I think it really has potential to, to be something bigger, kind of like it was maybe even better than it was when it was on the golf channel. And there's, there's just so many great athletes. I mean, it's, you know, it's insane how, how athletic some of these guys are like Justin James. I was with, I'm good friends with Justin and, and he put up him and Kyle put up two thirty one ball speed. I mean, that is just, and, and again, the, I think the ball was over compressed, but you think about that, Steve, two thirty one ball speed. Yeah. I mean, that is insane. That is just, that's moving the club around 158, to 160 miles an hour in competition. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. And, I don't but think my, my ball need... speed doesn't get that high. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> That's what somebody said. I think uh, it was either Bob Estes or someone. They said, Eddie, my, your club speed is my ball speed. Or I can't remember who, uh, <laughs> yeah, who said that to me. It's about right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. But, uh, but yeah, I hope so. I mean, there's so many personalities like Martin. Uh, there's not a guy that loves long drive more than him. Like, and he's, you know, he came over from Germany and yeah. he's a good friend of mine. And I got him kind of hooked on the TPT shaft. I mean, a couple of weeks before worlds and he switched because he was hitting, he goes, the shaft is amazing. Hmm. And, uh, and I'm so happy for him because, you know, I, I said, Hey, look, just try it. You can't hurt to try it. And he tried it and he absolutely loved it. And, you know, and now he's a world champion, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Hopefully, you don't adopt his uh, his shorts. You know, he's got the short shorts going on, so I won't. You know, you'll have to check out YouTube on that one. But uh, yeah, that's, well, that, well, hey, <laughs> that's another story for another podcast. But um, what what are some of the things? Because our most of our listeners are they're good players, the members of our golfing society, all single single digit handicaps, so they all can play. Yeah. Um, what are you know two or three things that that the average person who's got a day job, who's got doesn't have all the time in the world to train like you do, what are a few things that you think that they could do to help increase their speed? So I think mobility is huge. As you get older, you lose mobility. And that's where the Rotex has really – it's rotexmotion.com if any of your listeners want yeah, to just is, check what it is, out. What is, what is Rotex? I was going to ask you that it's, before. Yeah, it's, it's for mobility. It's kind of like you can do your entire body. Like there's a floor model with two discs, and you can kind of rotate. It's hard to explain in person. but And then there's a handheld where you can hold it, and you can do all kinds of different shoulder mobility, hmm. uh, oblique, and lats. And, and it's just – it's so amazing. Like this – it's it's simple, but it's it's amazing. My mobile, I felt like I was 22 years old out there, and I'd only been doing it consistently for about eight to ten weeks. Hmm. Um, and it's just it's super cool. So your listeners, if they check it out, rotexmotion.com. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's amazing. And then obviously, <laughs> rotational stuff, Steve. Like rotational, both sides. You got you have to do both sides. Yeah. And I think swinging lefty is important. You know, even hitting baseballs off a tee. If you're a right-handed player, do something the opposite way because it's really, really important to balance out your body, especially when you're swinging. Okay. All right. All right. I like that. I like that. So Rotex and then balance it out, make some swings lefty. Love that. What was I, I remember people saying like the, you know, they've gotten away from like heavy clubs and gone to more light training aids like to swing faster like there was there was a there was a change there 
at some point in the last, you know, four or five years or something on that mentality. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I've, I've never had an injury, a, a true injury in my life. I've had, you know, sprained ankle when I was younger or whatever from playing basketball and stuff. But, you know, I developed tendonitis from swinging those speed sticks in like mm-hmm. 2017 and it would pop up every once in a while. And, you know, if you think about it, you're swinging at air and it was just like my elbows, my, like my elbows would be sore, my shoulders, my wrists. Hmm. So because the body needs some type of bracing effect when it hits something. So hmm. I decided, you know what? Okay. Cause I spoke to some really smart people. And I kind of developed my own swing speed uh, system, which will be coming out hopefully in the next six months All with right. uh, with these training training series. And uh, it really works, man. I'll tell you, it's it's phenomenal. And it's, uh, you know, the whole swinging and air thing, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's good for people if they're swinging at 80 miles an hour. I think I think something like that can really benefit uh, people who need to feel a little bit of speed. And I'm not saying it's horrible, but for me. It, it, you know, <laughs> I developed some, some tendonitis and tendonitis isn't fun if you've ever had it. So, yeah, but, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll take your advice. You're a world champ two times over now. Um, <laughs> if, if people want to have you out, I know you do a lot of exhibitions around the country, mm-hmm. probably even around the world. I don't have your whole list in front of me, but, uh, where can people, you know, if they wanted to bring you out for a cool exhibition for a member guest or t- talk about real quickly about what you, what you do in that realm. Yeah. So I I'll do whatever. So I do corporate events. So what I'll do is a company will hire me for the day or maybe even two days and I'll go out and let's just say that they have nine clients in town and they'll, you know, I'll fly out to wherever it is. Let's just say Dallas and I'll play, the first six holes with the first threesome, the next six with the next, and then the final six with the last threesome. And then what I'll do, I'll either go on the range and I'll help them out with some, uh, some swing keys, some speed stuff. And uh, we'll have dinner and they'll be picking my brain and asking me questions. And uh, it's just a fun, I just make sure I want everybody to have fun and understand that, you know, you can get better. And I think that's pretty much what my calling is it's to prove to people that oh well i'm 40 i'm you know i'm over the hill i can't that's you know it's ridiculous and and that limited thinking really hurts a lot of people if you just have a little bit of belief that you can get better as you get older and I, and that's kind of what i'm proving i want to prove to people that hey and i'm not in the gym 30 hours a week and practicing for 40 hours a week and doing that i'm literally just doing what i do I have the right recipe. I know exactly what to do after trial and error. My buddy and my trainer, Jeff Flagg, is just, you know, we, we've got it down to a science and we know it works. And the longevity piece of golf, we know what it is. And I was, when I was out at TPI spending some time with Dr. Greg Rose, he was, you know, he was pretty blown away at my 3D and my force plates and, yeah. and how well I swung the golf club. So it's, you know, we, we know it. So we're putting it together. And, you know, like I said before, thousands of people have reached out. They want to know what we're doing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're finally doing it. So it's going to be really exciting. Well, great. Well, you're all over social media. And uh, if anybody, I'm sure they can reach out and get you through there. What's the best way to get, get a hold of you? Yeah. So you can reach out to me through uh, Instagram at fast Eddie, four, eight, zero, four, eighty. Um, so, and, uh, you know, my, uh, if you want to send me an email as well, it's fast Eddie four zero zero at iCloud.com. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just reach out questions. Um, you know, I will travel to do corporate events, charity events. I raise money at charity events. I do 
appearances, all kinds of stuff. So it's, uh, it's, I have a real, a lot of fun doing it. So. Well, uh, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun having you on the Silver Club podcast this week. Thanks and congrats on being a two time world champion. Fast Eddie Fernandez. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a have a good one. Hopefully to see you in a couple months out at uh, Old Memorial. Back out. (laughs) That, That would be great. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. Take care.